Why sit in traffic when you can ride transit? With improved service on the Metro and fare-free rides on Dash, traveling in and around the Capital Region has never been easier. Did you know that you can map your commute around the DMV using any mode of public transit? Yellow Line service is back on track in Alexandria with a new stop at the Potomac Yard VT Metro Rail Station. Getting around Northern Virginia has never been easier. Leave the car keys and stress at home and hop on a train, bus, or bike. Plan your trip at NovaRides.org. Thank you so much for being here today, Phil. I really appreciate your time. Um, this is obviously a really important topic. Um, be completely honest, it's not one I know a massive amount about. Over the years, I've not ended up having too many clients myself that have kind of been around that age, just appeal to a slightly younger demographic. So selfishly, I'm very excited to, to learn from you today as well. So thank you very much for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I mean, I guess let's start by just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into the industry and, and maybe where the female health side of things has come from. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the industry for 20 years. I know they don't look that old, it's good Botox, not that I recommend it. Um, and I was I used to play sport for Everton ladies, so I've always been in sports, different various sports, but football was my thing. Always done personal training, did a little bit of management. My background is in nutrition specifically from university. Um, I would say that I started supporting women through menopause because I realised that most of my clientele were actually of a menopausal age. About I've been doing it for about six, seven years now just for menopausal women um, and I wasn't sure like everything that I'd learned throughout the years wasn't really working there was something else going on so I started looking into exactly what happens to a woman's body as she gets older started working with endocrinologists when I was out in Dubai and then I figured actually there's some different like things going on here I need to adapt my training my approach my nutrition psychology aspect and since I started doing that then I realized that there wasn't many people doing it before it actually all took off it's been I think it's been pretty heavy in the social media in general for like the last two or three years but back then it was a very taboo topic um so i started doing it changed my ways got some better results and here we are here we are oh, amazing so it kind of came from a place of um like necessity in terms of problem solving like something's missing here yeah exactly because i'd say the, the things that you know eat less move more like it was back then wasn't really working for, for the menopausal clients, there was a lot more things going on and then they were, they were experiencing things, skin changes, gut health, uh, nails, hair, moods, there was so much more going yeah. on and I was like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. So oh. I started looking into it. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, if we're going to have a, a conversation around this, it's probably good to start with a, with a definition. So um, yeah, talk, talk me through that. Okay, so the official definition is when you're menopausal, when you haven't had a period for 12 consecutive months. So, and for some women that can be 11, 11 and a half months and then they have a period and then the whole cycle starts again. So the clock will start again. So that's the official definition, but you can be in perimenopause for a good 10 years before it. So that can be anything. Women always associate, well, everyone associates it with like a more mature age of condition. So like 30s, 40s, 50s, but I've worked with women who are in the 20s menopausal sometimes because they've been going through some form of treatment mm. like cancer or they've had like some kind of health condition which has forced them into early menopause so it's not necessarily associated with a more mature woman um, but perimenopause is 10 years before the official menopausal age in the UK is 51 52 the average age okay. and then after that you're postmenopausal so you're actually only in menopause for a day which is when you switch from sure. 12 months and then you go either peri or you post that's really interesting. I never actually thought about it that way around. I mean, I knew the definitions, but yeah, when you actually think about it, that does mean that you're only menopause over a day. Yeah, you're oh, the wow. perial post. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. That that was great. Um, tell me a little bit about like what are the hormones that fluctuate here, and what's kind of happening to those those levels for for women to experience these symptoms. So if we if I could say, if like this one goes up and this one goes down, then it, the world would be a much easier place. But it's definitely not one size fits all. Like with most things, health and fitness and medical, the three main hormones are estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. And testosterone is equally as important, in which a lot of doctors or medical professionals discount because they think it's a male hormone, but it's definitely not. Um, and I, eventually, over time, I would say as you're going through menopause, that they start to decline, oestrogen will start to decline, but it's not just it goes down, it flatlands and then it settles, it's up, down, up, down, up, down, and it's completely different for every woman. 
as is the progesterone, as is the testosterone. Some women's stays higher for longer, some will go up, go down, go back up. So like with most things, you need to see where that woman is at specifically, which is usually done via blood tests, regular blood tests. Um, but they're the three main hormones. As for when they go up and down, there isn't anything really. Just eventually, as you become post-menopausal towards your 60s and 70s, they will all settle down eventually. But how they get there is different for every woman. Are those kind of variables, fluctuations, um, I guess, obviously across the cycle and between women, is that what part of the reason why there is a lot of misinformation out there and, and why women experience menopause so differently? Absolutely, yeah. Some women, luckily, some may say, go through it without even noticing. They literally don't even realise that they're in menopause. The periods stay the same. They don't really get any symptoms. A lot of people used to say it's kind of similar to whatever your mum went through. So speak to your mum, see what happens with her. But that's not necess necessarily true because your mum, although you're similar genetics, yeah. completely different lifestyle, background, history. So then it's not necessarily you're going to go through it at the same time as your mum. Like they used to say with uh, puberty, they used to sit, they kind of say it's the same, but it's not necessarily because you're a completely different person. Yeah. Um, so if we knew exactly how it was going to go, we could say, do this, don't do that. But it's definitely not the case. Unfortunately, you've got to deal with the person that's in front of you at the time and whatever symptoms they're presenting with. And women can go through the first five, ten years breezy and then it can hit them all at once. Or they can have a first half of met like first a difficult perimenopause and an easy postmenopause. I mean, we know that the bodies are like complicated things in themselves that change every second of every day but we know that with most health and fitness and medical related things so it's exactly the same and throw hormones into the mix it's a completely different story powerful what are some of those symptoms that, that women might kind of experience like what could this potentially look like well, you've got, if you think about it, you've got hormone receptors all over your body. So it can literally affect anything from your skin to your hair, to your teeth, to your nails, to your heart rate, to your gut, to your mood, your libido. It is literally anything. And as I say, some women can present with, if, if, you, if you Google it, they'll say like there's 34 symptoms of menopause, but there's not, there's definitely more. Some women might get one or two, some might get 60 symptoms and they change every day. They can, they, can, they can be breezing through it and think everything's gravy and then it just hits them. Um, I think that's really important to know because I think my kind of understanding was a little bit like, okay, there's this like typical, more typical menopause symptoms. Right? And obviously I always appreciated individuality and people experience it differently, but you kind of go, okay, you might have some issues with uh, mood or you know, uh, regulating your body temperature or sleep. And you maybe don't quite appreciate that how what wide and, and what varied those symptoms could be i think that's really important for women to understand isn't it because they might be like okay well i've got these symptoms that are cropping up now and i, I don't know why and actually that might be related to their menopause and they just have no idea exactly yeah and it, now i say as it's talked about more and more it's it's excellent because women were going through menopause and they didn't actually realize it until they had the 50s and 60s they're like i've been going through this in my 30s and 40s and i could have had a lot more help and support and guidance but i didn't realize it so now we're getting to the point where women are actually talking about it in you know the late 20s the early 30s they're getting themselves physically emotionally mentally strong and stable as possible because the more the more prepared you are the easier generally the ride will be through menopause but i would say that what i'm conscious of and i can see happening already is because it is taken off as a big subject it's going to go the other way Whereas people are going to say everything is to do with menopause and they might miss something super important. Yeah. So I always say to women, don't just assume now it's your menopause. If you've got something going on, go to your GP, get your, you know, go for your regular checks, your mammograms, your smears. If you think something isn't right, do go get double checked. Don't just think, oh, it's menopause and carry on. So we could go the other end of the spectrum over the next couple of years, let's see. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great point. Um, the fitness industry in particular loves to do that, doesn't it? Just that pendulum swings from one extreme to the other where it's like something's not spoken about at all, no one really knows about it, and then all of a sudden it's like everything is because of this. Yeah, um, exactly. So that's a, that's a really fantastic point. Um, something you just said that was interesting, which was like preparing for, for menopause. Um, I think that's something I've seen actually recently. I've had a few female clients start working with me again that I had quite a few years ago, and they're potentially coming up to that like um, perimenopause age now. And they were like, look, when you tried to talk to me before about my cycle or this or that, I, I just wasn't interested. And we never really kind of got into that. And now they're asking me questions about it because they're like, oh, this menopause thing's coming up. And they're literally saying that, like, I, I want, is there anything I can do to kind of prepare for it? Which 
obviously I think it's amazing. And as you said, it shows that there has been a shift and people, people are willing to talk about it, which is, which is brilliant. So what are potentially some of those things that women can do to kind of prepare for a slightly easier, if possible, menopause? And I obviously appreciate that it's probably going to look different women to women. And you can probably, uh, you probably can't say do this and it'll definitely help with menopause. But are, are, is there anything that you might be looking to have clients to do to make that menopause a little bit easier? That's a topic in itself. Um, if I could say it in a few sentences, then I'd be a ritual, wouldn't I? Um, so basically, like you touched on before, getting yourself physically, mentally and emotionally as strong as possible. But that is just is such a generic statement yeah. for everyone. So the, the lifestyle thing is obviously going to be super important, as it is for most general population as we get older. Um, to get your exercise, regular exercise in place, to get your nutrition on, in, underhand, whether you seek support with it or you do it yourself, it's completely up to you. To stay in touch with your doctor, to get regular blood checks, so whether that be every six months or 12 months maximum, to see exactly what is going on, at what point you are, are you peri, are you post, are we your vitamins and minerals. I think doing all the same things, but they become a lot more important because they will, they will help you with your symptoms. Um, there's still... There's a lot of research on the benefits of exercise through menopause, especially for vasomotor symptoms. So your hot flushes and your night sweats, which are two of the biggest yeah. problematic symptoms. So there's a lot of uh, research to support that it will help that. But as for, which we'll get into in a bit, training volume and specificity of exercises, that's still very new. There isn't a lot out there in terms of research. Um, I would say to get some form of support, whether that be from your friends, your family or your doctor, be able to talk about it. So regular exercise, nutrition, support, blood tests and some kind of accountability and support. Like the more the re there is quite a lot of research to show that the more accountable you're made and the more emotional support that a woman is given through menopause, they're more likely to stick to the exercise and nutrition side of it. Okay, um, which is it's quite generic, but it's it's just a lot more difficult to incorporate into a woman's life when she, as she gets older, if you are around the average age of menopause, you've got a lot going on. You, maybe your kids have left home, maybe they're in university, maybe you're questioning your career, you might be having some issues at home. It's just a lot. And then you throw menopause into the mix and most women are just like, I cannot cope. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I take from that is that, because like, potentially with, with, with this, like anything, it can appear quite overwhelming, right? But I think for anyone listening, if you are really trying to eat healthy and stay on top of your exercise, it sounds like you're already very much on the right track to doing everything you can to, to make menopause more manageable. Yeah, definitely. Just educating yourself on what it's about and not being embarrassed about it to talk about it because it's literally a lot of women see themselves as no longer, like I'm no longer a woman because I can't make, you know, I can't make children. Um, but it's just simply the other side of puberty. We're okay to talk about that in school, but then everyone shies away from menopause. And I get it, you know, I haven't been through it myself yet so I can't speak first hand but it, it's inevitable it's going to happen to a woman every single woman you might get pregnant you might not but every woman will go through menopause regardless of their you know the age the whether they've had a hysterectomy or not so how can we not be talking about it and educating ourselves and supporting women through it it's, it's crazy yeah I think something you just said a second ago which I've, I've not really put much thought into was you said that there's um, some research to support obviously more yeah, but having more support and more accountability and yeah, general probably having people around to talk about it actually helps with menopause. But what does that maybe look like if you are a woman that's like, I'm about to go through it or going through it? Like, are we talking about um, certain certain clubs, certain like are there other group apps out there? Or what does that support network kind of look like for, for women with menopause? Yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of apps. Um, there's quite a lot of companies and businesses coming up at the minute. Um, you've got Dr. Louise Newsom is one of the leading menopause specialists. She has a balance app, which is great for support and education and finding out what you can't like in terms of the medical field as well. Um, the only magazine really out there at the minute is Menopause Matters, which I write for myself. That's the um, thank you. Um, so you can you can subscribe to that online, or you can buy it in most of the supermarkets. There's and that's run by a group of doctors itself. So it's all legit. It's all researched, evidence based. But there's some like we, they get different people in to talk about different topics each. It's only every quarter it comes out. So there's that magazine as well. But I would say if you've not got friends and family going through it, or you haven't got like a doctor that's understanding, because again the doctors are a minefield. Depends on what kind of doctor you've got in front of. 
year and as, since COVID, it's hard to get to see anyone face to face anyway, so it makes it even more difficult. But if your doctor is quite usually on the younger side and quite well versed, educated, you, you're good to go. But if your doctor's fairly old school, you might find that they don't really want to talk about it. You know, it's still a very taboo topic to them. Because until recently, I'd say about a year ago, the doctors only got about two hours education in the whole of the PhD on menopause itself so it was no it's not their fault that they were very well versed on it um that's or, crazy it's crazy isn't it but it is slowly changing thanks to all the work in the media yeah. and all the 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 work that they've done with the petitions and stuff so that that's awesome that's great piece of work to come out of it but if not i would honestly say that the research itself talks about therapists and psychologists so the more you can get involved in that if you've got the funds to do so and you've got the right contacts then you're more likely to have an easier time through menopause yeah brilliant i think that it's wild hearing you say that because obviously as you've said every woman's going to go through it so that's you know over three billion people worldwide but only up until recently doctors have received more than two hours of training on it which is yeah that's mind-blowing it is crazy but it's going in the right direction yeah. it's changed that's the main thing let's focus on that yeah perfect um i think that that was going to be one of my questions which you've kind of part answered already which is i've got quite a lot of clients that are talking to me about it and their doctors aren't particularly interested there's maybe not one big symptom or issue they're experiencing. So it's like, no, you're not having bloods, um, which you've mentioned previously. So would you have any tips on how uh, people can kind of kind of advocate for that and communicate with their doctors around this, this subject, other than maybe changing a GP for a younger one, if that's not possible? So actually, as a, as a good point you make, you can, so each now, each kind of practice should have a menopause specialist, whether they are not like actually in-house you can be referred out to so you and you can legally say i want to be referred to a menopause specialist which i have had a lot of clients do and they can then be referred to another nhs practice or to a private medical clinic and i've had i've had this plenty of times i've had it happen you know and you just have to have the confidence to say listen i want a second opinion or a third you can say it to the gp receptionist or to the, the doctor itself so but unless you want to go private and pay for yourself which you're more than welcome to do you can ask to be referred to a specialist and then obviously you're getting the best care and advice wow that's really cool yeah i didn't know that was a thing when did that kind of come in as 2005 it started and then two years ago they wanted to have a, a specialist in each practice it's all in one of my go-to things is in the nice guidelines yeah. so if you just google nice like nice guidelines for menopause it'll come up and i often say to women to take them with them if they're feeling nervous or scared about the appointment with the doctor and just say this is what it says this is what i'm legally allowed so and then they yeah. usually it's pretty easy from there to be honest with the doctors yeah I imagine they're probably quite happy to, to outsource the patient. Exactly. Anyway, it's one less for, yeah, for it's just having, it's having the confidence to do it. And it's potluck on who you, I get some women who, yeah, I went, it was great, really helpful. They've referred me, I've got blood tests, good. But you hear some horror stories where they're back and forth and they're arguing, they're like, I am demanding HRT if that's what they want, and they just won't give it to them. And then that's where I say, listen, I would get a refer out or I would, you know, if you've got some kind of present or birthday or Christmas or some kind of bonus coming up, I would put your money into a private private um, appointment because you can actually go private. You're looking at, I work with some of the clinics on Harley Street and you're looking at anything from, from two to £500 for the initial, which is a lot. But say if you're on the lower side, 200 I said it could literally change your life and how much you spend for a weekend or when you're going away. And then once you've got the right support and you've got, say, if you need a prescription through the private clinic, you can then just go back and get it through the NHS once you've got the prescription. So it might be a one-off appointment and it'll be well worth it with the private clinic. But you can, if you're feeling persistent, you can get the support you need through the NHS. It just might take a couple of months back and forth. I think mean, that's a really great point as well. I think a lot of people think once they're private, they're committed to private. Um, just yeah, if they don't know that obviously you can go private and you can pull that kind of back to the NHS and, and it doesn't need to be an ongoing cost. So I have to do that myself with a couple of MRIs. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really, really great point. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. But it, it might be worth it. It, it depends on what state you're at. I'd give, you, I'd give the NHS your GP a go first so you might yeah. get the answers you want, but if not, that's always there. And some people think it's going to be thousands. It's not It's not really. It's expensive, but it's worth every penny. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you touched on HRT. I think that's a really interesting topic, which obviously definitely goes off into some very personalised rabbit holes. But just a kind of as a bit of a general overview, I think the conversations I have with female clients is a lot of them are like, don't want to don't consider that. 
um, heard some horror stories, my friend put on 20 pounds overnight, um, or maybe just feel like it's a little bit of a, a, a cop-out or a cheat. So I'd love to kind of know, firstly, like uh, a little bit of the definition of HRT, how that's maybe going to work, if that's okay. And then what, what are your thoughts on, on clients considering that? So you have to be very careful there, because we did touch into the out of your remit. That's hence why I work with the doctors, because I'm very conscious of, although I've educated myself over the years, it's out, it's out of my field, but I will yeah. give you a little overview without, without going outside the remit. So obviously HRT, hormone replacement therapy. So you're essentially putting the hormones that are declining back into your body. Now, if we're going to be frank about it, that is the only way to, if you want to say fix or settle down the symptoms, fix menopause, is to replace the hormones that are rapidly declining. So the, all the things we talk about holistically, the lifestyle, the diet, the mindset, psychology, support, it works for some people more than enough. It doesn't touch the sides of other people. So some people will say, I want to go down the medical route and put the hormones that I'm missing back in my body. Now, this can be a, there's a different varieties of, you can take a tablet, you can use a gel, you can use a patch. Now, I always go, I always say, if possible, to avoid the tablet so it doesn't have to go through your liver, etc., to go through, your, go for the gels or the patches. But some people don't get a choice they, for whatever reason they have to go through the tablet. Um, you can get a like an estrogen progesterone patch gel or you can get a combination and that's for the doctors to decide on. It depends on your medical history, um, your age, etc. They decide what you can go for and why and then you have to change it so often. You know, some people take it, use it and feel immediately better. Some people use it for a few months. That, that brand or that dosage doesn't work for them. So I say, I always say it takes about six months to settle down to find the right brand and dosage for you. Sometimes the patches don't stick, but some people go first time lucky, get it right, feel amazing, feel like a new woman and off they go. So there can be a bit of trial and error there and, and the take home message is, is persist with maybe trying a few options. Yeah, and definitely, and I always say when people say should I or shouldn't I, I say go and do the research for yourself. Like the old the pre the research from years ago when it was branded of HRT increases your breast cancer risk is very old research. You know, the, the study was poor and the the HRT that they use now is very different. It was from horses urine back then. It's obviously, oh, really? yeah, it's obviously not from Lovely. that now, no, no. And the actual, what people don't realize is being overweight or smoking, you've got a higher risk of getting breast cancer than if you're on HRT. So, but you know, media, like always, scaremongering. So I would say, but I, I am not a doctor. I'm not here to advise on that. I say, do your own research, read around it, read some of the more, um, recent research and make a decision for yourself um, again you might go on it it might agree with you it might not you, maybe lifestyle changes might be enough for you but it is always there and that is one of the only medical um, solutions that is well researched you, you talk, some people go down the herbal route as well but obviously that's not well researched and um, they offer uh, people ask me about it you know, red clover black cosh it seems to work for like a couple of weeks and then the body just adapts and mm -hmm. it's like no not going to work thank you but that's like with everything holistic but it's everyone's choice some people just say i don't want to go down that route and that's their their own choice there's no wrong no right and wrong in that yeah i think you with something like this as you've said it seems to be quite um a lot of individuality to it and therefore people probably kind of need to just uh, be curious and experiment with, with different different things for them yeah and there's some people do the lifestyle holistic thing for the first five ten years and then they're like actually this just isn't working anymore i have had enough i'm on the edge give me whatever you've got um and like as for the adverse effects i always just say do the pros do, do the cons like the pros outweigh the cons for you in particular some people like it i said it didn't help me sleep i was still night sweats had a bit of water retention my libido my energy didn't come back so what's the point fair yeah but some women are like it is the best thing i ever have ever done my mum actually because by the time I started getting into this, my mum was coming up to 59, 60, which is on the later end of the spectrum. Um, and they say really not to start it after 60. But she went and she's a fairly fit, healthy woman. You know, we didn't, she didn't have many medical past medical conditions. So she actually went on it at 60. Okay. And she said it was the best thing she ever did. But that's for her own individual case. She The hot flush had stopped overnight and her emotional state was so much better. So never say never. 
in terms of it being too late. And then you also get a lot of people saying you can only go on it for five or ten years. There's no research in that. It's individual case only. And you know, just as long as you, whilst you're on it, you go and still for regular blood tests, which should be via your GP. They should invite you back every so often just to make sure all your levels are like normal and to still go for your mammograms, your smears, right throughout it. None of that can be discredited. It's not like you're on HRT, you're good to go. You need to still take care of your body. Yeah, that's great to know. I think maybe sometimes uh, some women have kind of said to me, oh, I'll delay considering starting HRT because I can only be on it for a few years. So knowing that actually that is not necessarily the case might stop some of them delaying it longer than they ideally want to consider starting. Yeah, and that's actually a good point. The earlier you go on it, the less risk. It is. Interesting. So it is actually better. I've worked with it actually in the place where I work in the gym because it's been like one at the forefront of a lot of the things I've been doing. We've created a policy and stuff for it. I've actually had a lot of women reach out. We've gone through some support with referrals and they've gone on it at the age of 40. And again, it's the best thing that the evidence. So there's no such thing as it's too early. If your hormone levels are declining and you are identified as being peri menopausal then you might qualify for HRT it doesn't really matter on your age yeah amazing that, that was really insightful thank you um what's something you touched on is obviously the amount of variables per person in terms of where those hormones sit so in the context of, of menopause or perimenopause is any form of cycle tracking something you would be looking to do with clients in terms of yeah the symptoms they're experiencing and and yeah would you be looking to cycle track at all with, with these clients yeah that's actually a really good point obviously when you're perimenopausal, you might still be having regular periods. Um, there's Again, there's no one size fits all. Some periods go out of whack straight away, but some, a lot of people can still have consistent periods when they're perimenopausal. Um, and I definitely say to track then, because your symptoms are still relevant. When Even when you become postmenopausal, I think it's a good idea to still track because what you'll find is your periods might not be regular or even your periods might not have stopped, but your body kind of still goes through the same tracking system. So you'll still find that just before you yeah. know, your moods change, your cravings change. So for as long as you can really be bothered and you see it as useful, I would say to track throughout. Yeah, no, that's great. I was I was trying to keep clients to yeah, telling clients to keep keep doing that. Like you still got your periods, or maybe even if they're starting to go, let's still make see if ovulation's occurring, and you're still experiencing these fluctuations across the cycle. So yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, because don't forget the body's still trying to have a period, mm -hmm. although it's not being successful. It's still the ovaries are trying to produce the eggs. The, the uterus is still trying to shed. So although they're not having a period, some women are like, I feel like I'm you know I'm due on. I feel like I'm bloated. I feel like I'm cravings, water retention. I'm like you that's because you are yeah. so but if you know that's common it's more under the more you can understand the body the easier the ride is through menopause in general because you know it's it's the fear of the unknown right so the more you can know then the more calm you're going to be yeah i love that yeah it makes complete sense what are some potential um lifestyle changes or yeah, what, what are some of the things that you'd be looking to do with, with a female client that's going through menopause? If there are like, I've still got these symptoms um, that are fluctuating across my cycle, but I'm also starting to experience some perimenopause symptoms. What are some kind of nutritional or lifestyle interventions you might be looking to use? So obviously exercise first and foremost. The research is very generic, still two to four times a week. I would go down the strength route. Um, there is not much research for the cardio side of things yet, but that being said, if you enjoy cardio and your body still allows you to do it, then you carry on with cardio if you're happy with the results. Um, low impact exercise for everyone. You know, so that could be a strength-based workout, that could be yoga, cycling, swimming. Although the yoga, cycling, swimming side of things has been shown to be beneficial for menopause women in terms of their mental health, it hasn't shown much benefit in terms of producing bone mass and muscle yeah. mass. Um, and then the nutrition side of it, I would I generally, this is a really general, general statement, but I generally go for a lower carb option. And that is purely because you find that a lot of menopausal women go more towards being a bit insulin resistant. So, and that can be because a whole host of things. That is very general. Some women won't, it won't happen to them, but we're seeing more prevalence of insulin resistance. So they're less able to be, to to be able to handle the carbs, more insulin cycling around the body. So you find that a lower, not a no carb, I would say a lower, because I'm not a still low carb diet at all, but a lower carb diet works for a lot of women, obviously keeping your protein and your fats up. 
Um, I would say also that in terms of the moving away from the diet and exercise, um, stress, managing stress, but again, stress and recovery is a massive thing at the minute is for general population but stress will trigger menopausal symptoms that is that's quite widely researched the higher stress levels the more symptoms you have the more you're unable to control them so the more you can find ways to manage your stress levels or when you feel a stressful situation coming on you find that the hot flushes come on women the anxiety comes on a woman so the more you can preempt that happening and be able to control it the easier it will be which i guess then comes back to your point of it's really it's great to track the cycle for as long as you can because you said it's less scary if, if you kind of know what's coming and you can maybe make some changes and adapt for that accordingly yeah which exactly. is then less stressful exactly yeah just like you would for your cycle that doesn't change it just becomes a lot more difficult because there's so many other things going on and then you start breaking out in spots you know you might you get toothache your nails your hair's coming out your nails are brittle i'm sound, making it sound terrible by the way but so some women actually don't experience half of this well, but what are some of the positives or benefits of, of menopause? I think that's probably a good place to throw them in because it, it does sound like a little bit negative at the moment, doesn't it? So what are some of the positives? Well, some women, like I say, some women don't experience it or they get it under control via holistic, you know, starting exercise, uh, exercise routine. Some women do say that it's it has been the best phase of the life because they've taken control, they've got themselves fit and healthy in the best shape they've been, you know, smashed all the taboos if you can't be in shape in your 50s and 60s. Maybe they've found the confidence to leave the job that was stressing them out, you know, maybe even leave the partner if they weren't happy in that. They find a newfound confidence once they are able to control their menopause and they come away from it's doom and gloom, my life's over, I can't have kids, you know, I'm overweight, I've got all these symptoms. It's, it's a mindset at the end of the day. But when I say that, I just say like it's an easy mind shift, mindset shift. It's not because there's a lot of things going on in the body. But if you can educate yourself, get a plan in place for yourself, control the symptoms. I've heard women say, you know, 50s and beyond is the best time, is the best time of life. They've come into their own. They've got a good job. They've got disposable income. Kids have left. They've got a new partner. And they say it's the best time. Like 50s is the best, better than 20s and 30s. So yeah, who knows? In some cultures, it seems to be looked at quite differently to how we view menopause, doesn't it? They'll talk, talk about it in a really positive light. Like, yeah, exactly what you just described there, kind of a little bit, little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more life experience, and it seems to be viewed quite quite differently. Yeah, it does, and it, it is changing slowly, I would say, in the UK and in different cultures, but there's still, there's still a long way to go. I mean, I've seen it come on massively, but I, I would say only in the last two years, for the first five years of doing it, nobody wanted to talk about it. Even now, some women will contact me for support, whether that be in person or online, and then I don't hear from them again. They've had like that, you know, I really like to talk to you about it, but like don't, don't say it too loud in case anyone's listening. And then they kind of lose the confidence and they fall off the face of the earth. But there's, there's no pressure. It's just making sure that you're there as and when people are ready to reach out and talk about it. Everyone's at their own different stage of the journey, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. I think that's brilliant. And it definitely, yeah, it's definitely changed over the last few years, as you said. So I'm excited to see that continue progressing, hopefully, and become less, less taboo. Yeah, me too. Something you mentioned with the exercise was how the cardio side of it maybe doesn't have too much research to support um, the physical benefits of going through menopause. So that's more the strength training. Um, but the cardio, maybe your swimming, biking is going to maybe help from a, a psychological standpoint. Would you kind of be looking to incorporate both into a training program then for a woman as long as she enjoys both? Or how would you be kind of setting up a, a training week? Absolutely. So strength, it depends if people say to me, what is the best method? I don't really care what I do. Then obviously strength two to four times a week. Um, if they if they can incorporate it, if they're willing to, then I would say it's still good to get the heart rate up and do some kind of cardio. If they're not really willing, then I tend to add it in at the end, like small intervals at the end of the strength workout. You know, to, it could be anything, just a little heart raiser, like an energy system um, development part. It could be a few minutes at the end, 20 seconds on, 40 seconds off a couple of times. Yeah. takes more, no more than five minutes. I would say that though, talking about the, managing your stress levels, that's where the yoga, biking, swimming, running might come into it because a lot of women tend to switch off when they do them things and get out of their own head. So they've, even if that's not beneficial to the, say, the exercise, the bone mass, the muscle mass side of it, it might be very beneficial to reducing the stress and that being a stress reliever for them. Um, and I would say, as with, to be honest, general population, but it's no different for menopausal women, that people don't realise before, as you, get old, as you get older, you lose your strength. 
so we're losing bone mass and muscle mass quicker than we can actually repair it. But what people don't realise is they, they we lose power before we lose strength. So implementing some kind of power elements to the programming at the beginning of the session is hugely beneficial as well. Oh, amazing! Yeah, that's really great to know. What would that kind of what would that kind of look like in terms of exercise selection? Because I imagine maybe if someone is a little bit older, there might be certain movements that aren't going to feel great on their their joints potentially. So, what would some of those exercises look like? So I've actually just raised an article on that for menopause matters. So if Amazing. you go, if you yeah, go, plug that. <laughs> if you go and get it's not out yet, it won't be out till next month. But it's on the importance of power through menopause. But I know it's, it's a bit of a strange terminology. Really, people are quite associated with strength, but power is like, what is that? It, essentially, it, you do it at the beginning of your workout, so you're still fairly fresh, and you can be anything three to five sets of one exercise, and you tend to be on the lower end of the rep range. So anything from three to six, maybe eight maximum reps. You don't use anything particularly heavy because what the definition of power is used is, is um, moving something as fast and hard as possible. So it doesn't have to be like a heavy weight that it wouldn't it be counterproductive really. Um, so if you, you can be anything from like a kettlebell swing to a march to a drop squat to a jump squat anything can be moved in a powerful way as long as it's not too heavy and it's on the lower end of the rep range good one is always and a good stress reliever is like a medicine ball yeah. slam yeah so pick it up and slam Everyone it loves a slam. always makes it always makes you feel better especially get you going get your workout going um, but if you, if anyone's interested, uh, I would recommend getting the next Menopause Masters magazine subscription because there's a full article on it in there. Yeah, perfect. This will probably be out roughly around that time, so we'll make sure to get the link in the, the comments. That sounds really interesting. That's not something I'd ever, I'd ever heard. So it's always like you've got a lot of female clients and they've got the nails on. They're like, I can't do slams, and then like whenever there's a little little gap and they don't have nails on, I'm like looking, I'm like, amazing. We've got slams in today, and they they, they love it. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great exercise. And you always feel better after a good slam. Yeah, everyone I, loves throwing throwing the med balls. I would say um, something that you mentioned though is in terms of if you if a woman has got some form of osteopenia or osteoporosis, any any inclination of a bone disease, then you would go low impact. I wouldn't give them anything that involves like a jump squat or a drop squat um you but low impact exercises is still going to be beneficial for them to help them build the bone mass and muscle mass but if you've got any kind of link towards that or any doctors mentioned it then obviously seek advice first from someone who knows what they're talking about but don't go impact exercises if you've got that going on yeah that's really great advice that's that's, that's really useful are there any other exercise um, considerations in terms of maybe exercise selection or just like zooming out a little bit more like bigger picture program design stuff that you'd be looking at with, with menopausal clients so uh, aside from everything that I've said in terms of including the power element strength being the most beneficial one if you if you've got the choice and um, there's not and as I mentioned at the beginning there's not much research at all I keep looking I check you know every other day for research papers people contact me a lot and say especially coaches and say which sites can I go to and I tend to I don't have a lot of um, advice for them because I tend to just read research papers because it's still very new in that sense of there being a site, a go-to site where it's reputable, evidence-based, they know what they're talking about. Um, so in terms of exercise selection, it's very individual. I would say to include some pelvic floor stuff because similar with pregnancy, the pelvic floor can weaken. Um, it depends on the person in front of you and what their mobility and their strength, where they're at. Um, and in terms of rep ranges, there was one research paper, I, I'll have to, I can't remember the name with it, the years, I have to dig it out for you. But they said they were looking between the 12, in terms of sets, they were looking between the 12 to 16 per each, each day, no more than 12 to 16 sets. Go with, go the middle range, 10, rep range, 10, 10 repetitions, just to be safe, but again, it's, it's some women wouldn't need this. You could just treat some yeah. women like a complete general population. And the last part of the paper was to say you might need 30 to 60 seconds extra on rest. But that's just, it was one research paper. It was a small cohort. Mm. It's very early days, but that's what they come up with. 12 to 16 sets, 10 reps is your best bet. And 30 to 60 seconds extra rest if the woman needs it. Um, something else which I just want to mention while I remember was something that I use with most menopausal clients is um, HRV tracking. 
so heart rate variability so this will then tell you how ready they are for exercise how ready they are how much they're able to handle the stress that day so i'm a big fan of tracking it each day so then when the woman comes i'm able to adapt it according to what a hrv uh, number is on that day so then that that shows that it's relative because i might have to use some of the things i've just mentioned or we might be good to go and push forward yeah that's really interesting but with hrb is that something you use more with menopausal clients and if so why or is that something that you kind of use with clients across the board i definitely use it with clients across the board but i think it's more important with menopausal women just because if you tip that stress level of them not being able to handle the stress of the exercise and recover properly it can really affect the symptoms so if they're up for it and they aren't you know fearful of data tracking and they've got no history of going too far along the you know the other side of it because people can become over obsessed with things if they haven't got any history of that then i will recommend it and then be able to adapt to the program accordingly but for everyone i think it's great i do it myself i have done for years i think the research is growing on it um but for menopausal women absolutely how would you recommend tracking that like what are your favorite wearables and obviously you've mentioned that it's kind of the maybe intensity or volume of the session but what would you look to potentially change as a result of if that hrv is a little bit skewed so first to answer the first part of it i i track it on my apple watch using the elite hrv app i had to pay a couple of pounds for that but it's well worth it because it's the most uh, accurate out there at the moment you can get free apps to do it which i did try for a little bit to see if i could get into it but once i figured out how beneficial it was going to be i was willing to pay a couple of pounds for it i would say that if you want to wear a heart rate strap it could be a little bit more accurate but for ease of me getting up and making it a habit i do it i go i put my watch on i take the minute reading each morning i put a couple of um answer a couple of questions in the app which takes like 10 seconds max and then it calculates and spits out a number of where i'm at so i would say the for ease the apple watch and the elite hrv app um if a woman is is showing that well anyone if they're showing that you know they're not able to handle stress today maybe their reading is in the amber or the red for where they're at i would reduce the volume by at least 20 percent Cool. That's a good, good to have, kind of have some tangible targets there for that. So um, it's good that the Apple Watch is accurate for it. Because I mean, I first started tracking my HRV so many years ago that watches weren't really a thing, and I had the little polar strap yeah. that synced with the Elite HRV app, and oh, it was just inconvenient. So I never really did it too, too consistently. But it's just got to be easy, isn't yeah. it? You just get. And I get sometimes like, a couple of days I might, I might not do it, and I forget. It's not a big deal, but I would say 70, 80% of the time, um, I, I do track it. Do I take note of it all the time? Sometimes not, because it's only, it's an algorithm, right? It's a formula. It shows that you your body is probably good. It doesn't show that you can't perform on the day. You might be able to push through and get a PB, but it's just going to show that you're not able to recover as easily. So maybe you might be able to have, still have a good session, but you might need a longer recovery, or you might need to factor in a few more things recovery-wise after the session. That's what it shows if your, if your HRV is lower. Cool. And that 20, say 20% reduction that we're looking for roughly, do you kind of do that from total sets in the workout or do you like reduce the RPE or what, what does that kind of look like? A bit of both, really. Again, it's, it depends on the clients, the psychology of it, right? Some of them like, don't, don't, even though it's bad, don't um, alter anything. I still yeah. want to get a good workout, so then I'll yeah. go for RP. They don't make sure I still do the same weights as I, I always want to do, so then I'll reduce the, the reps, you know. Or it depends on, uh, ideally, I would just reduce the number of sets um, and try and keep the weight the same, but client dependence sometimes yeah. you have to work around it give them it's all about giving them a little bit of what they need and a little bit yeah, of what they want yeah no, yeah i'm glad you said that because there's sometimes where i try and get clients in a little bit less and they just they're not happy so <laughs> you've got to meet them where they're at to do it. yeah um yeah that's really interesting with the hrv it's something that i how many clients are tracking at the moment yeah not many so i think there's a few few women that are kind of coming up to that that perimenopausal stage that would probably benefit from from having that so as i say just because stress is so important yeah. through the menopausal journey and to be honest it's but i haven't come across when women come to me they're fairly desperate right they probably tried you know different coaches or been to the gp so they come to me and they're willing to try anything so it's quite easy to them i'll say i the things that i go to are this this and this and they're like yeah done consider it done with the hrv um if a client yeah if a client doesn't have great great hrv if there's not a lot of um if there's not a lot of variability there uh, what are 
some interventions that, that you might use, maybe like is there stress management techniques or do you kind of ask them about their sleep or what would you look to do with a client if their HRV score wasn't great? Yeah, again, quite similar to the general population, right? It depends what the, you're into. What is your go-to stress reliever? Because most people go to meditation or yoga. And for me personally, I can't sit still in a room for yoga for 45 minutes. I'm away thinking of a million different things. Um, I've had some women like me going swimming is my meditation because it lets me get out of my head. I can't hear anything and it calms me down. Um, so I would say it's there's no one there's no go to for in terms of stress reliever. It's just about getting to know your clients and what works for them, what makes what chills them out. Is it going for a walk? Is it calling a friend? Is it reading a book? Is it listening to music? Because um, absolutely, if the HRV is low or poor, then they need to work on the stress relieving techniques. Well, sleep is actually it's it's a tough one with menopause because one of the most common symptoms is hot flashes and night sweats, and that is inevitably going to affect your sleep in a negative way. Um, and obviously, then when you get a poor night's sleep, you wake up, you're feeling anxious. The last thing you want to do is exercise and eat a healthy, balanced diet, you know, and talk to a friend about it. You just want to get through the day and survive. Um, so sleep is paramount. Obviously, we all know that sleep is paramount in recovery in terms of losing weight it's shown that people that sleep more easier to lose weight easier to keep off but again for me and it's probably me being biased because this is what i talk about all day long it's even more important during menopause having that sleep routine um, and sticking to it because it is gonna make you you know reduce your symptoms and have less night sweats and be more energetic but that's tough when you've got four kids around you a yeah. full-time job when you know maybe a difficult relationship it's a tough it's your sleep routine isn't going to be first and foremost at the front of your priorities but i would say that you know in the moments that you have a good day and your symptoms are less and the kids aren't being so problematic or maybe you get a, a different job then that's the time that you really dial in and focus in and be like it's time for me what am i going to do about it let's get a plan in place don't try and do it all at once when everything's up in the air but when things settle down and you do have them good days weeks months then it's time to focus on you and get the right support educate yourself and get a plan in place yeah and I imagine it sounds like even if it's not something you're particularly struggling with right now, going back to what you touched on earlier in terms of preparing for it, it's probably good to be like, OK, even if I'm sleeping OK right now, I don't really have any any sleep related symptoms right now for menopause. If I do just want to put myself in the best position possible to, to minimise the, the symptoms that are coming up, maybe now is a good time to focus on that, that sleep routine. Exactly, yeah, and that goes for everything. It's it now's the time as ever, right? It's never it's never too late to start, it's never too early to start. I would say to if you can start in your twenties and thirties, getting you know, educating yourself, getting a plan in place, you will thank yourself in your fifties and sixties. It's so difficult now to, you know, educate some women who back in the day their their like form of exercise was Jane Fonda exercise wasn't it like um getting your leg warmers on and doing a few high kicks so now when you get that to get them into a gym environment especially some of the gyms you know the gym that i work at can be very overwhelming very male dominated yeah. it, it's tough to get them in because they're, they're so different to what they've ever known and that's why again that's why i um there was a lady that came to me in the studio that i used to work at and she was menopausal and she didn't have any support she didn't know what was going on and she said that the towels didn't fit her in the changing room and um, she wasn't able to wear it because it wasn't big enough and it, she was going from gym to gym to try and find towels that fitted her and i went and ordered some large towels and gave them to her the next time she came in and she stayed with us forever she i still speak to her now just because of that small gesture of someone trying to understand what she was going through so small things like that can make a huge difference. But gyms are getting better over the years, but they're still very overwhelming. My mum would not step foot in the gym, not a chance. She goes swimming and she does exercise routines at home. And that's fine, because at least she does something and yeah. she does something that works for her. She's too conscious of what she's going to wear. She just hates every minute of it. And you, there's no point in fighting against that. At some point, you just need to work with it and see what works for her. And she's found her feet and she's controlled the symptoms and she's happy. Yeah, that's great. And that, that's a really nice... Uh, story regarding the, the town. I think that's so important just to touch on in terms of that. Yeah, we maybe can't always directly relate to what someone's going through, but it's so important to try. Yeah, and I think so. One of the biggest problems I came up against when I started doing this was some women, you know, they did um, 
kind of reactors what do you know you're only a kid i mean i, I probably the listeners can't say but i probably look younger than i am anyway but that was and i did you know think a lot what am i doing am i doing the right thing is this ever going to go anywhere i'm trying to help people out the kindness of my heart and it seems to have getting thrown back in my face but i was like yeah i might not have been through it but i've worked with now hundreds of women that have i'm well educated on it there's no one else doing it so you can either listen to me or not i'm not like forcing it down your throat but i'm here if you need me and then when they gain trust and respect and they see that the things that i do actually work then it, it settled down but i came up with that up against that a lot when I first started out, but now as well, it's been talked about more and people realise it's not just a 40s, 50s thing, it is a 20s and 30s thing that I haven't really experienced it recently, which is good. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a really important lesson for any coaches listening that may be worried about talking about it in case they're scared of a little bit of backlash. Yeah, and also, you know, the things that we go through as coaches, whether you're rehab or pre and postnatal, can be pre and postnatal without being pregnant you can be an osteophysio without having every in single injury so it's just the same thing yeah. um educators i'm here to help you it doesn't mean i have to have been through it yeah i mean that is the case with like most special entities isn't it like yeah. menopause is the one where it does seem to be like you've not been through it it's like well yeah i've also never been pregnant so exactly it's just a very emotional time isn't it so we let them off yeah yeah 100 i think that that's a nice segue into talking a little bit around um being able to communicate with, with clients about it because it's very easy to say something without maybe realizing the impact on on what your power of your words can have right and um it can be hard if you are a coach if whether you're younger or you're male and you don't always know how to talk to clients about a subject so one question we got in advance was around that and it was just like any tips on how i can talk to clients about it ask them questions be supportive and and ultimately not say the wrong thing that's a tough gig to navigate yeah um you know i would say to be in the first stages, it's just to listen. And that is genuinely what most of the women want. They just want to rant and a rave and to be listened to. Even if you haven't got some great wisdom and golden nuggets of advice, if you're not sure what to say, I would say less is more. And they will appreciate you just being a sound and bored and listening to what they're going through. And then once you start to educate yourself and get you know a little bit more experience of working with menopausal women then you can start to give them you know well I've seen this bit of research you know this has worked for another client but I would say not to be too directive in terms of do this don't do that just give them a lot of options and let them figure it out itself because that's when they're going to backlash and say well you don't know you haven't been through it but I'd say listen listen open all ears before you then once you start to educate yourself then you can start to give them some more advice if you're not sure refer out to someone that knows again it's very similar to referring to a doctor or a physio if it's not your thing don't be scared to say listen it's not i'm not too well versed in the subjects but i've got someone who knows what they're talking about um there isn't there aren't many menopausal courses there's one that might be coming up but it's not finished yet so i'm not going to mention it but again i get coaches asking where can i go and educate myself um, there, Burrell Education isn't bad, B-U-R-E-L-L, Burrell Education, they do a good course, um, but it's more, again, fo- fo- uh, focused for women, not for coaches. As for it being a specific coach-related course, there is yet to be one, hopefully there'll be one in the next year or so. Um, and I would say, like with any, not just menopausal women, be aware of your body language, be aware of your tone of voice, be aware of where you're speaking to them. Is it in the middle of the gym floor? Do you want to go somewhere a little bit more private? Because it's not still a topic that a lot of women want to talk about out in the open. that's it really it's a tough one to navigate yeah, i think that's a great answer it should be super empowering right because really nothing you've said there is any different to talking to any client about anything and that means if the coach feels confident doing that then it shouldn't be really any different when it comes to menopause because it is just about listening being empathetic and not being afraid to refer out if needed yeah like anything once you i'm super confident in doing it because i've done it for so long and you know i'm fairly knowledgeable in it so if you aren't confident to do it either refer out to someone that is or take the time to educate yourself on it and then you will become more confident but even now as i'm more educated i still don't comment a lot or give them advice unless they directly ask for it. I generally just listen to what they've got to say, what they're going through. And if they say, can you help me? What what do you think I should do? I'm at a loose end. I've tried this, this and this. I'll say, well, maybe we could look at this. It's all very generic, all very 
um, friendly bit of advice. I think you, there's no one size fits all, as we've as we've discussed earlier. Yeah. And if you go in with that, you need the do's and don'ts list. It doesn't go down well. Yeah. No, I see. Yeah, I see that. That's fantastic. And um, that was all of the questions that were sent in from from other people. So we've covered kind of exercise selection, a little bit on program design, and a little bit on HRT, and and loads around communicating with clients so that was all amazing um selfishly i'd love, love to know a little bit about what you touched on earlier before we started recording around the workplace i think that's really interesting and maybe the lack of support and, and policies um so yeah as someone that obviously is not going to go through this and has never and probably will never work in a, a kind of a larger team corporate workplace and um, i'd love to know a little bit more about what your thoughts are on the current state of menopause in in the corporate world so again, like anything, it is picking up pace, which is awesome, but we are still at a point where 63% of workplaces don't have a menopause policy. Um, I think it's one in three people will negatively be affected by menopausal symptoms and up to a million people could leave their place of work in like this year or in a year's time, like in 12 months time because of menopause, because they don't feel supported, they don't know what's going on, they want to leave the career, they want to try something else or they just can't cope, which is, again, like we've said, every single woman is going to go through it. So it's ludicrous that workplaces aren't even um, paying remotely a bit of attention to this luckily the place that i work at because i've been championing it we now have a menopause policy in place yeah, which which is awesome but it, it took me about two years of back and forth and speaking really? to the right people getting hr involved and only because i'm so passionate about it that i stuck at it um, and it's quite a simple policy, you know, just being able to have a menopause champion in the workplace that understands people and people can go to, which is myself, which people right across the company reach out to me all the time and just sometimes want a little bit of a chat or who can I be referred to? What's the situation with GPs? What's the situation with HRT? You know, it can be that giving them extra breaks, giving them a window open, giving them a fan in the office, you know, not laughing and joking when they're having a hot sweat, being understanding about it. The policy is quite simple, but it just gets people talking about it more. And now, hopefully, you know, in our in our workplace, it's not so much of a, tab a taboo topic. And now we're going to go on to the next step where I'm going to go around all the different clubs and try and educate the members more, get them yeah, to come class. to talks and then try to educate the coaches more on how to deal with it. All the things we've been talking about today. So put like a training in place for our workplace, but for the organisation that I work at. But if you haven't got someone that's so passionate like me, then I understand it's a, a long game to get your company on board with it. Some companies are gonna get on board with it, some aren't, but hopefully they will be more up and coming in the next couple of years, because as I say, 63% who haven't got a policy or even think about it is huge yeah. when half your workforce is gonna be winning. Just quickly, if you want to mention the name of the gym, you're more than welcome. I think you're doing, doing brilliant things, so you can refer to it as at the net. That's the name. I wasn't sure. I didn't want to plug yeah. on it. It's no. third space. Yeah, third space of doing. Yeah, I mean, you've got a great internal education program. Um, obviously, I'm very much trying to do my, albeit very small part, to make the standard of the fitness industry a little bit better. So I absolutely love what third space are doing. So yeah, yeah, you know, plug away there. Yeah, and and on the education that'll be then that will be part of that. So you know, we have feedback from the, the PTs that it's very male dominant education. It's all very strength and condition, heavy lifting, etc. So uh, they fed back they wanted more more women's health education this year. So we look so we've started the pre and postnatal, and then the next part of it will be the menopausal education, which is next level in terms of what we're offering for coaches. But I know that we're in a position to be able yeah. to do that, but. Yeah, that's so cool. No, yeah, you're doing great stuff there. I think there's been been quite a few female health related talks there that I've, I've seen on people's stories this year inside third space. Yeah, slowly picking up pace because again, we we listen to the PTs. That's what they ask for, and there is a massive a gap in the industry in general for it because there's not a lot of go-to places. You can't just go and do a course and then teach it. You've got to be passionate about it because you've got to constantly read and research and kind of put your own course together, which is what we've done. So we're able to offer that to the PTs, which is excellent. Yeah, incredible. Just kind of going back to, to menopause in the workplace, kind of the economy, obviously not that we should care about this purely from an economic standpoint, but I mean, I've seen some some headlines and some stats talking about very large numbers that would be added to the economy if proper menopause support was offered. So it does blow my mind that businesses aren't caring more about it, even if they don't really care about their employees, even if they don't, not that that's obviously right, but purely from an economic standpoint, it does seem to pay massive dividends if we do have menopause support and policies in place. So I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, why is this something that's not really being addressed too much? 
Um, it's, I, get, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think it's because people are still scared to bring up the topic. Mm. I mean, still now, as well you know, talked about as it is, as well educated researchers, when you talk about periods to, say, a male member of staff, they go into themselves and they're like, yep, whatever, just go home, do what you need to do. So if you think about menopause, that's like 10 years behind puberty and periods, I would say. You so think I think, about 10 years? Yeah, easily. Wow, we've got a while then. We've got a while. So although there is a massive saving to be had, I mean, it's ridiculous. And obviously these, the, the women who, the average age for a woman to go through it is 50s. So a lot of these women are in high power positions, CEOs, execs. So there are crucial points in the company. And then one day they just give it up and walk away because they can't cope with it. So it's madness, but there's a lot of money to be saved if people want to talk about it, or at least get someone in that knows what they're talking about. If they don't want to talk about it, get someone in that can talk about it. But I think as long as, you know, you're in a male dominated industry, then you've got a while to go. Mm. One common theme I've heard from a lot of the, the female health, the femtech kind of events we, we've been to is that needing male allies will be crucial in kind of like getting this to be a little bit less taboo, more accepted, more conversations around it, which which I love because obviously I, I completely agree with that. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think I live in such a little bubble because I'm just like talking about like whatever to my female clients and no one looks at my Instagram and goes... I don't expect to talk to him about this stuff. So none of my clients are working with me. are like, why are you talking to me about that? So it's very easy to kind of forget that you're in this little bubble where like this is completely normal and we talk about it all the time. But obviously that is not actually how the rest of the world is in particular in kind of that older generation. Yeah, if it works for you and you, you, you do what you do and you do it well, then that's fine. But if, the more people we can get to talk about it, the better. And, and what a good point is, um, I think the last talk that I, I did on this was at Elevate in Excel uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And in the the female health, the menopause talk itself, there was a lot of male, there was a lot of men present, which was awesome. And again, it is slowly changing over the last year or two. And I always say to a woman, you know, if you can get your partner involved, the more the more the better because they need to understand what you're going through and if they can support you if they're in a position to do so then even better it's going to make your journey a hell of a lot easier but again let's get the let's you know ride the wave of menopause <laughs> yeah. first and then address the support and the partner but it's absolutely it's paramount the more you can you know, men can understand it the better if you are listening to this and you you run a business maybe of any size and you've even got just a few female employees and you're going okay cool i love the idea of having a menopause policy where do I start? Where can someone go for a little bit of support with that? There is a website and I, I'll send the link. It's workplace.org, I think it's forward slash menopause. I can't remember it, but there's a specific um, website that is leading. They'll help you get a policy together for menopause. And they go they go into workplaces and talk about it, talk about the stats, talk about how to create a policy, you know, how beneficial it will be. So I'll give you that link and then you can include it in the notes. Thank you. I think Channel 4 also make all of their policies public. I don't know if you've seen that. No. So yeah, no. Channel Four were, I believe, the first company in the UK to have a menopause and a, a menstrual cycle issue related awesome. policies, and that they're public. They openly say that like, anyone can look at these, use these, please, like please do. Um, and we've got Davina McCall to thank for that. She's <laughs> a big champion for the menopause doing all the documentaries yeah. for Channel Four, which is awesome. Some people are like, oh, you know, they've got two, they're in two minds about it. But the more we can talk about it, the better. I say so good on it. Yeah, I agree. And then. Um, I think the, the lawyer that wrote them up at Channel 4, I believe her name was Fiona, uh, Fiona McAllister. So shout out to her because it's pretty cool to let anyone use your work. So Cheers, Fiona. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, I think it's, it's important and I think more businesses will, will definitely shift and start looking at that. So Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. And it's not too, it's, it doesn't take such a lot because again, it can be super simple, short and sweet to begin with. Just being able to know who you can talk to and, you know, be supporters when you want to bring up the conversation. That could be as simple as where the policy starts. Yeah, incredible. If there was like three things that you wish all kind of women that are about to go through menopause like knew or misconceptions that they had that you could change, what would those kind of like three things be? I'd say that um, you will gain weight during menopause. Yes, a lot of women do, but also a lot of women don't for all the reasons we've discussed either because they're lucky and they breathe, they breeze through it or because they've got a plan in place and they've got a support system in place. Um, so they don't gain weight. They might lose weight. They might be in the best shape of, of their lives. So it's not necessarily true. Um, I would say that 
libido you're going to lose your libido during menopause not necessarily true i've got some women on hrt or not on hrt that their libido has skyrocketed you know for whatever reason maybe they've got out of a relationship in a relationship but that's not necessarily true so don't believe that and lastly i would say that um you actually something we haven't mentioned is that you are going through menopause, you're at a higher risk of having a heart attack and developing osteoporosis, two massive, massive things. So that, and that's something that they don't talk about. Again, estrogen has a protective mechanism of the heart. Yeah. So without estrogen or with a declining, you're at a higher risk of a heart attack. And as I mentioned before, the bones and the muscles are breaking down quicker than the body can repair them, especially going through menopause. So you are at a higher risk of osteoporosis. So although it's a bit doom and gloom, it's, it's not talked about in the media. So this makes this is only screams of why it is so important to get a plan in place and to get a support system in place yeah but what's kind of the silver lining of that is going back it just goes back to everything you've already said though doesn't it if we want to try and minimize the risk of those things manage your stress exercise eat well support network yeah and hrt if you want it and if it works for you yeah, amazing. Is there anything uh, else kind of regarding menopause that you'd like to, to, to touch on? Anything you feel like we've missed or that's really important to share to kind of, kind of wrap up? No, I'm just very grateful to be here that this is actually a topic because cool. back in the day I tried to get on quite a few and everyone was like, oh, that's a bit of an awkward topic. Um, so, no, I think I've pretty much covered everything. I'll give you any links that I find useful um, for in terms of website research or on the magazine. I think we've pretty, I hope everyone's enjoyed it and found it useful in some way. Yeah, that was incredible. I've learned a lot. So, yeah, selfishly, it was amazing to get you on for, for a menopause episode. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, where can people find out a little bit more about the work you're doing at the moment, any upcoming projects that you'd like to talk about? And, yeah, a little bit more about yourself and, and what you're up to. Um, I would say the best place to go to is Instagram, so Katie underscore Morris underscore fitness. I give it to you to include and definitely Menopause Matters magazine. Um, obviously, my main role is running the PT department, so I'm pretty busy in terms of events and talks. So most of the work, unfortunately, goes on internally. So unless you work for Third Space, then you might not see too much of me, but I still do a little bit. Well. So say the Menopause Matters magazine and the Instagram handle will be go to. Yeah. I mean, as I said with Jason, if you are a trainer and you're looking for someone to work, you should definitely consider Third Space because, I mean, yeah, I would absolutely love to have had that education available to, to me when I was trying to grow my one-on-one -on -one business. That's just game-changing. So. Me, me too. I always say to the young and upcoming teams, like, we were just given a book if we were lucky and say, go and shadow people and figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Go to the library. There was no YouTube. There was no yeah. education courses. And it didn't turn out too bad, so. Yeah. I uh, we uh, we could do a whole episode on tragic advice I got when I first started <laughs> at, I first started at David Lloyd um, nine years ago. But yeah, I think a lot of them probably don't quite realise how lucky they are that there is such an abundance of, of good education available, and, and in particular internally at Third Space. So again, yeah, I mean, shout out to Third Space doing incredible, incredible things. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, that was everything that, that you're up to. So we'll get all of that in the show notes. Um, anything else in terms of uh, where people can find you, or if there's any anywhere else you write for, anything else you've got coming up. Not at the moment, to be honest. Cool. It's very much fixated on internal. Perfect. Cool. Well, we'll get all of that there. And um, I mean, I'm going to get a subscription to the magazine. I look forward to, to reading about the, the power piece in particular and incorporating that a little bit more with clients. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that. That was fantastic. And yeah, I can't wait to get that out for everyone. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you.